welcome to my podcast, Living with Ovarian Cancer. My name is Diane Evans-Wood and I'm one of many women who are living with ovarian cancer. I want to give women like me a voice to share with you what it's like to live with ovarian cancer. We will cover a whole range of aspects related to diagnosis, treatment, recurrence and well, just about everything in between. I hope you find our honest, candid but often humorous conversations not only useful but also uplifting. So without further ado, settle down and listen to my conversation today. It's December and it's that time of year again. I'm talking about Christmas in this episode of Living with Ovarian Cancer. I'm sure we all mostly take it for granted that Christmas will keep coming around for us and we don't consider a time when perhaps it won't. However, life is more fragile for some at the moment and for many this time of year is tinged with sadness and fear and anxiety. What if you or a loved one has cancer or another serious or life-limiting illness? What if you feel too ill to even contemplate Christmas? What if you're facing the possibility that if this is your last Christmas? Or even what if you don't even know if you'll be here for Christmas? Of course, none of us should take for granted that we'll be here this time next year. But for some, that one of those scenarios of uncertainty that I've just mentioned is very real right now. And Christmas is creating mixed emotions. I am one of those who lives with that uncertainty because I have advanced ovarian cancer. And although I'm relatively stable at the moment, previous years were a different story. I've had six Christmases with cancer so far. And each one has felt very different and dependent upon what was what was going on in relation to my disease. I'm going to tell you what a couple of my Christmases were like. During the Christmas whilst having chemotherapy, I really struggled with organising our usual festivities because my energy levels and the chemo side effects, they they just really got to me. And so everything was kept very low key. There wasn't the time or energy to focus too much on Christmas because of the hospital appointments and the actual chemo appointment. The chemo was so close to Christmas. I was still living in Glastonbury with my son at that point. So my now husband came to visit me. We didn't have to travel. It was really lovely and low key and relaxed. And I remember enjoying it all the more for that reason. But my my hair started to fall out on Boxing Day that year. It was a big thing for me. I kept finding tufts that had fallen off around me. And by New Year, my poor dreadlocks were hanging on by a few hair strands. I was expecting it. I was expecting it to happen. But it was actually a bit painful. It was felt like every hair follicle was bruised. So my lovely husband shaved my head. And he even shaved his own. So on New Year's Eve, we started 2015 with bald heads, both of us. But little did I know that that would be my last Christmas living in Glastonbury. And the last proper Christmas I ever had with my son. 
I didn't know it at the time, but I never was able to return to my job. And when my sick pay ran out, I couldn't pay the rent on my home. So I had to make life changing decisions during 2015. That impact on my happiness hugely, even to this day. But this podcast isn't about that, though. That's for another time. I'll tell my story to you another time. It's about what it's like to live with cancer or life-limiting condition at Christmas. And the message I want to get over, though, at this point is that you have to savour each moment, not to take anything for granted. Although it didn't really enter my head that this could be my last Christmas at that point, it also didn't register with me how much my life would change for me and my son in 2015. Then I remember a couple of Christmases ago, I was really poorly with the flu and confined to bed by Christmas Eve. Usually I'd pick my son up from Glastonbury and bring him to our home in the New Forest for Christmas. But I was utterly heartbroken because I wasn't able to have him stay with us that year. So I spent much of that festive season feeling desperately sad and crying. This was the first Christmas that I'd ever had without my son. And all I could think of was that if my time is short, oh, get emotional now. I wanted to spend as much time with him as possible. The realisation that possibly the last Christmas I could share with my son wasn't going to happen, it left me devastated beyond belief. Memory of that Christmas always comes to mind on the online grocery shop. I'd bought lots of extra things for Christmas because my son coming and extra things that my husband likes. And I bought extra satsumas as usual because my son, he loves them so much. He would eat three or four at a time. So one of my most vivid memories of that year was that every time I went into the kitchen, I broke down when I saw the bowl of uneaten satsumas. I just can't explain how bereft and sad I felt that year. I took a picture of that fruit bowl with the, it was full of the satsumas at the time. And that to me represents what that Christmas was. Then the year before last, um, Christmas was also very difficult because of the news I'd received shortly before. My cancer was now metastatic and it had spread to my chest. I felt very emotional for much of the time and I kept asking myself whether this would be the last time I'd buy presents for my close family. Would it be the last time I'd cook Christmas dinner? Last time I'd watch my son open his presents? The last time I'd buy my husband and son's favourite foods? It felt surreal and throughout the two days, I'd cry silently in the kitchen or the bathroom to myself, so try not to spoil everyone else's Christmas. I kept looking at my reflection in the bathroom mirror in disbelief that this was happening to me. How could it be happening to me? How? I was torn between wanting to savour every moment with joy and screaming inside that this is not fair. The smallest of things just brought tears to my eyes. And for the most of the time that Christmas, I had the biggest pain, most painful lump in my throat through trying to hold in that emotion. 
It was just there all the time. My husband was feeling it too. There were a fair few times actually where we both just hugged. There were no words. We didn't need the words. We just needed to look at each other and we knew what we were thinking. And the tears flowing. But for the best part of Christmas, it was really just a case of trying to push it to the back of our minds. Then along came the new year where, without fail, I wonder if this will be the year that I'll die. I have no doubt that this year will be exactly the same. And on New Year's Eve, I'll be asking that same question. It's a reminder here, though, how important it is to live in the moment and not to ruin the joy of your day with negative thoughts. Don't let the negative thoughts take over and try to focus on the now. Don't second guess what's going to happen, what's going to be. What will be, will be. After all those thoughts and fears and previous Christmases, I'm still here. I'm still here until I'm not. So through the experiences that I've had myself, both personally and professionally, I was a palliative care clinical nurse specialist for many, many years. And I wanted to share with you what I've learned along the way, as I know there are plenty of others out there who are facing the same uncertainty as I, of this being their last Christmas. So firstly, before I move on, I want to get something into perspective by telling you that Christmas is just a few days in a year. And although this time is deemed to be special and steeped in tradition for many families, it's still only another day. So in the grand scheme of life, just keep that in mind. I should mention also that at the time of recording this episode, how can I not mention it? We're in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. And so some of the suggestions I'd normally give are probably not that achievable. But the essence of what I want to say is just the same. What will be different this year is how you can spend Christmas with loved ones when you're clinically vulnerable. I'll perhaps I'll talk about that a little bit more towards the end of this episode. So remember, every day is special when living with a life limiting illness such as cancer. And when we feel emotionally drained through trying to create that perfect Christmas or New Year. I think it's worth remembering that when all said and done, Christmas, New Year, it's just another day. They're just another day. For many of us, our family traditions, such as Christmas, seem to hold us together. But if those traditions are simply not achievable, maybe you could try to create new ones that are more achievable in your circumstances. The heart and essence of Christmas is meant to be about sharing and caring and celebrating. So by keeping it simple and basic, it's just as beautiful, if not more so than creating exhaustion, extravagance and expense. Decide which parts of your Christmas traditions are important to your family and focus on those. You never know, the changes you make might make new family traditions that live on forever. So whether it's you facing the prospects of your last Christmas or a loved one who is, it's absolutely understandable that you're going to find Christmas overwhelming and incredibly emotional. 
at times. Don't hide your feelings. I know we did a few Christmases trying to hide it all away. Um, but it's not the best thing to do. So don't hide your feelings away too much. It's important to express what's going on in your head as opposed to holding it all inside. What you're experiencing is known as anticipatory grief in the health profession, whereby you feel differing emotions similar to bereavement and it's in anticipation of bereavement. So rather than having a scenario of tears alone in the kitchen or the bathroom, which I often did, or watching someone rushing into another room to cry and then return with reddened eyes, acknowledge that elephant in the room. Once feelings and emotions are shared and acknowledged, it reduces the stress and the sadness that undoubtedly everyone will be feeling. And it allows everyone to share in the support for each other and possibly put some of that emotion to one side for a while. So like I've said more than once or twice now already, Christmas is not confined to one day. So don't try cramming it all into 24 hours. Plan visits to or from loved ones ahead of time so it spaces out the festivities to a more manageable itinerary for you. Remember to set boundaries though regarding length of visit times and numbers or you could easily become overwhelmed. Equally, if you don't want visitors, then just say. You can always speak on the phone or FaceTime or Skype or such like. The joys of technology can be used here for your benefit. The main thing is that you communicate what it is that you feel you can manage at this time. It has to be about you. If you do decide to have visitors, though, perhaps family could bring food to share rather than cook for them, especially if you're too weak to cook a meal or you cannot eat for one reason or another. Or maybe your main carer is already just exhausted and overwrought. There's always so much to do without Christmas. If someone else is cooking the Christmas dinner, let them know what you feel you could eat and explain what amount of food you feel you could manage. If you could only manage a few potatoes and gravy or just a pudding, then so be it. Just say, facing a large plate full of food can be overwhelming, so don't feel you should force yourself to eat a larger meal than you're capable of eating to avoid offending the cook. Just explain beforehand what you want on your plate and you're more likely to enjoy it and so will your loved ones. For some, food can be a real issue at this time, particularly if there are swallowing difficulties or bowel obstruction or breathlessness, loss of appetite or nausea. There's no reason why you can't retire to have a rest away from everyone whilst they're eating their meal. If this makes it easier for you, especially if cooking smells cause you to feel nauseated or you're afraid of throwing up in front of everyone, you just remove the pressure from you from trying to eat when you feel you just can't. But equally, if you want to sit with everyone at the table with the tiniest amount of food or no feed and food and just a drink, that's absolutely fine too. At least you'll be there with your loved ones, despite not particularly eating much or nothing at all. Notoriously, Christmas dinner spans a long period of time sat around the table. For us, I know it can be. So remember that it's OK to if you need to leave the table because there's no sense in sitting there for a long time when you really need to move away for whatever reason. 
It's about your comfort and well-being. Your loved ones will understand this. You could even prepare them beforehand and say, you'll just spend half an hour or even 15 minutes at the table and then you'll just retire to have a rest while they eat their meal. If sitting at the table is impossible, maybe everyone could have Christmas dinner on a tray on their knee in the living room. There are no rules, so do what you need to do in order to avoid the unnecessary stress. Plan and prioritise periods of rest into your Christmas itinerary and agree a time limit for visitors so you don't become too exhausted. People don't know unless you tell them and visitors usually understand and they're happy to fit in with you. But if you're not feeling up to curtailing a visit yourself, appoint a spokesperson who can speak on your behalf. Really, visitors, they will understand. They'll get it, honestly. If you're staying with family, make sure you have somewhere that you can retreat to for a period of quiet and rest. And if you're visiting family, agree a time period that you'll be staying for and make sure that they know that you might actually need to leave a bit sooner if you don't feel well enough. Having that sort of get out just takes some of the pressure off you and you never know, you might even stay a little bit longer, but it it's just giving you that, that get out so that if you do need to leave, you can do without it feeling a little bit embarrassing. If you're undergoing treatment such as chemotherapy, which compromises your immune system and it reduces your ability to fight infection, make sure your visitors know to stay away if they have a cold or, or other infection. And equally, if you're due to visit family for Christmas, make sure they know to tell you beforehand that they're unwell and not wait until you turn up at the door it's really bad news it's not wise for them to continue to be the host because of fear of letting you down that's certainly a gift at Christmas that you don't want there's more to Christmas than gifts and cards if you can manage them and you want to buy gifts or send cards then do so but don't let it be to the detriment of your health or your precious time Maybe you could let this Christmas be the one that is less commercialised in your family. Agree with each other to buy local or practical gifts which you can purchase over time rather than do one big Christmas shop in a busy shopping centre. You could even agree to buying no presents at all this year and instead just spend time with each other, sharing memories or funny stories. Christmas means different things to different people, but, you know, it was never meant to be what it's become. If you do still want to buy gifts, but trips to the shops is difficult or unwise because of reduced immunity, then consider internet shopping as an option. Make a list of who you want to buy for and just place an order from one place to make it easier for yourself. And if you can find a local company to pet, to place an order with, then that's even better. You could have a theme such as buying something for everyone from a charity that you support. One year I did all my Christmas shopping with a nature charity and I purchased bird feeders and bird seed for everybody. And then another year I bought a magazine subscription or a book with a bar of chocolate with a note to say, this is your me time. It's good to be fun and creative. And at the same time, to make life much more simple for yourself. 
Make sure that you have enough medications to cover the holiday period. And if you require incontinence pads or stoma bags, check you have enough of those too. Create a list of telephone numbers that would be useful should you need help or advice over the holiday period. For example, the contact details for your GP or your chemo unit helpline or your district nurses or your palliative care nurses. Keep them all together in a list so you know where they are. The chances are you won't need them, but if you do, you have easy access to them rather than it causing stress trying to find the numbers if you do need them. Oh, so turning to COVID-19, we can't, we've got to mention that, haven't we? Well, it's something that's very relevant at this time of recording. Worldwide, we've all been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. And right now, we all seem to be going through a second wave of the virus. This was expected, though, wasn't it? Because all the measures restricting the spread of the virus involved isolating and distancing people. So hence, when those restrictions are lifted, obviously the virus is going to pick up pace again. It's such a difficult issue to resolve. And to be honest, because humans thrive on community, but so does COVID-19. So very difficult to manage it. Humans are social beings and the majority are chomping at the bit, so to speak, to socialise again. And so the pressures on the various governments of whatever country you live in to balance restrictions and freedoms in order to reduce the risk of the virus from escalating out of control and at the same time protecting health services from being overwhelmed. Wherever Christmas is celebrated in the world, I bet the same discussions are taking place about how to manage the risks associated during this time of celebration without creating further harm. And for many, the risks of mixing with their families and friends will be worth it for them to spend Christmas with their loved ones after a hellish year of sacrificing seeing them. However, for people like me, who are living with a life-limiting illness or a serious health condition or the elderly, it's absolutely not as simple as that. We've already isolated ourselves since March to avoid all forms of social, in, social interaction in order to reduce our risk of contracting COVID-19. And the likelihood of us surviving this virus is so slim. And people like me throughout the world right now weighing up whether it's worth the risk. And it's a heavy burden to carry, I have to say. We've protected ourselves all year. And to throw caution to the wind at this point seems crazy, especially with a vaccine on the horizon. But then there's this nagging voice in our heads that pipes up, what if it's your last Christmas? You'll regret it if you don't take the risk to see your loved ones or you might never see them again. It's like a CD track on repeat and the emotional turmoil it causes is huge. I can vouch for that. So what do we do? It's impossible for me to give any advice about this because it does depend on so many factors. For example, the stage you're at in your disease progression, your current physical health and your mental health after isolating for so long, and generally how you feel about balancing risk. But I honestly can truly understand why those who are receiving end-of-life care or those whose disease is progressing so rapidly would decide to take the risk 
And if I were them, I'd just go for it too. I'd want to see my loved ones if I was in that situation. And I just know that I would make that decision. However, for people like me, whose disease is relatively stable at the moment, it's incredibly difficult to make a decision one way or another. You know, potentially we could see another Christmas or two if we're lucky. But with ovarian cancer and other conditions, of course, the situation can change drastically within days or weeks and months. So seeing another Christmas is not a certainty. And there lies my dilemma. I realise that this could in fact be my last Christmas. As my cancer markers started to rise again, even though I'm classed as sort of relatively stable. And so I'd want to live it in the best possible way by seeing my loved ones. And I know they want to see me. I also realise we can't predict the future because there's no certainty for anyone on this planet that we'll see another day, let alone Christmas. Death can come knocking on the door for anyone without us expecting it. I I suppose we all know someone who we thought would still be here this Christmas, and sadly they're not. However, during this pandemic, when you know you have a limited prognosis, you have to wrangle with your conscience, your personal morals and the risks associated for yourself if you contracted COVID-19, because the chances are that we wouldn't survive. I'm well and truly sat on the fence, not knowing which way to jump, to be honest. And I know there are millions out there feeling the same. If only we could negotiate with COVID-19 so it agrees to be dormant until after Christmas, eh? But if we do decide to spend Christmas with our loved ones, it's definitely not going to be the same as previous Christmas celebrations. We're going to have to rely on our loved ones to make take every precaution to reduce their own personal risk of contracting COVID-19 in order to protect us. That might be not so simple when people have to work or have children at school or other family to visit. We're also going to have to keep our distance indoors with the windows open for ventilation, which is impossible unless we all live in big houses. And it would be extremely miserable for people who feel the cold because they're so poorly, which often people with ovarian cancer undergoing chemotherapy, you often do feel the cold. We're going to have to limit the number of visitors, which could cause resentment in families when someone feels left out. How do you choose who spends Christmas with you? We're going to have to limit the time spent together and plan shorter visits. So that will be tough on those that are having to travel long distances to come over and visit. In the UK, we've even been advised not to have buffet food that is shared and touched by others, which many families like to do at Christmas rather than cook a main meal. We've been advised not to play board games or any pursuit that involves handling game pieces or hand controls and such like, which again, for many families, is a tradition at Christmas. None of these factors are conducive with an enjoyable celebration. And so we have to wonder if it's going to be worth it, if the risks result in such disappointment and failed expectations. Mind you, I think... If someone has been told they have very limited time, I can imagine, like I've already said, it would be truly worth the risk. 
it's different when you know if you if you know when you that you won't be here for another Christmas. I know I'd want to carry on have a shared Christmas with my loved ones if I were in that situation, like I've already said. But everyone's different, aren't they? Whether you decide to take the risk of having a family celebration or not, the information and suggestions that I've made earlier in this episode, they're still relevant with one exception, spending time in person with your loved ones. That's the bit where it's it's just so tricky to know what to do for the best. I still say to keep everything as simple as you can and to reduce the pressure on yourself. However, under normal circumstances, I'd say Christmas is more about spending time with those you love than a carefully constructed celebration with masses of presents and luxurious food. But I can't advocate this in 2020 because of the risks involved. Maybe it could be a virtual sharing by using technology, like I mentioned earlier. I don't know. I'm still on the fence. I don't have the answers, in all honesty, what to do. What I will say here, though, is that whatever you decide, it's your decision and nobody should stand in judgment of you or make you feel guilty deciding one way or the other. Having ovarian cancer or any life-limiting condition is already extremely difficult to live with because of the many uncertainties we face every single day. Whether you'll become exposed to COVID-19 or contract the virus is yet another one of those uncertainties. So all you can do is weigh up the risks and decide how you yourself can make Christmas the best it can be for you. My hope is that your loved ones will understand why you've made the decision you have and to support you in whatever ways they can to ensure you remain protected. I hope you found this episode useful. And that it's some comfort to you to know that you're not alone. I'm wishing you all the very best for the coming Christmas celebrations, because I know what it's like to live with uncertainty and illness at Christmas. There's so much more I could have said, but I also know the specific challenges for this Christmas and how agonising it will be. And I know many of you are agonising over decisions of what to do and how to celebrate. So however you celebrate, take care and I'll see you again soon. Thank you for listening today. To hear future episodes of this podcast, please go ahead and subscribe now. I look forward to sharing more inspiring conversations with women who are living with ovarian cancer. Until next time, take care of yourselves and each other and enjoy all that life has to offer.